Hello, welcome to episode nine of the Mental Health Commute with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. We're going to take a more serious bent this uh, session and talk about suicide. And so, Matt, why don't you start us off? You're pretty black and white and you like statistics. Matt probably has some statistics and a thought-provoking statement. So talking about suicide this week, it's a very serious topic, but a topic that we feel like isn't discussed a lot in terms of how serious it actually is. So when we look at suicide, just bringing in some statistics to give weight to what we're about to talk about. Suicide is considered the number one killer outside of injuries or accidents for anyone under the age of 35. That's a very high risk factor group. And overall, when we look at all age ranges, it's considered the 10th leading cause of death in America. But it's only behind heart disease for total number of years it causes someone to lose, which basically means it's highly prevalent in cause of death the younger you go. Putting that into more hard, fast numbers, one person in America commits suicide every 13 minutes, but two suicides are attempted every minute. So it's about 25 attempts per suicide. You know, the other very interesting statistic, very sombering statistic actually, is that when you look at the data from 1999 through 2018, there's actually been a 35% increase if you consider all age ranges for suicide rates per 100,000 population going from around 10.8 or so per 100,000 population to now it's in the 14s. So that's very high. And if you really even look at it a little bit more, yes, males have increased their rate, but females have gone from in the fours per 100,000 to over six per 100,000, you know, an even larger jump than the males. What all these statistics are really getting down to is mental health is a disease that's outcome is death. And we don't talk about that a lot around mental health, I don't think, of how serious the outcome is if if it goes untreated. Another way to phrase it maybe is when you have a mental health disorder or disease, the goal of that disease is to kill you. Left unchecked. Correct. That's a pretty provocative statement. So let me put in one thing. You know, we're not we're here to educate, not to treat, but we will have resources on our website that you can go to. And one thing we would like to make sure people know is that almost every community has like a crisis hotline, and there is a national hotline. If you or a loved one are in some type of crisis or a friend, that is the suicide prevention hotline. The current number is 800-273-8255. is the word talk, just so uneasy mnemonic. And the real cool thing is... By around July 16th of 2022, there has to be a three-digit number, just like there is for emergencies 911, a number 988 established around the country that somebody can call 988, and that will direct them straight to that national hotline to get help. So that is a fantastic thing. You know, the other thing is we look at suicides versus homicides, and we'll get into this over the course of time, but there's two and a half times as many suicides as homicides in the U.S. And all these statistics that we are talking about are related to the United States. So there's different ways to look at this. I know we've talked about, you know, we talk about population health, looking at the whole population, then we have individual health, the person themselves who's dealing with these issues or the family, the friend network. 
I think one of the things that have been asked of us to talk about are some of the warning signs. So I think, Matt, you sort of brought up a little bit about this. Mental health and substance abuse are huge risk factors for suicide. There are people that others will say there are, have been absolutely no warning signs at all. They've never had any mental health issues. They've never had any substance abuse issues. Now, we have talked about the shadow diseases, right? Sometimes people have issues and you nobody knows it, correct? Or there can be, we know, things happen acutely in people's lives that are a acute stressor, and you never know if that stressor will push you over the edge and you think of an option of being suicide. But why would you even think of that option? Other people can be very stressed and never think of that option. So is mental health at play there or not? That would be a question. Yeah, it's the hard question of if they weren't diagnosed previously and didn't show any warning signs, did they not have it or were they just really good at hiding it? And that's an answer that we'll never know in those cases. Right. And that is another thing that comes up is often you do not know necessarily. I used to be in the military and one of the things we would have to do sometimes is do suicide autopsies. Very sad where people have committed suicide and you go through and try to figure out why they might have done that. You know, there's often you can come up to some sort of plausible explanation, the risk factors that were there, but you never get to talk to the person themselves. But what was really interesting in a lot of those cases, they had never been seen for any type of mental health or substance abuse help that you might have seen going back in time in a retrospective looking back through their life that they probably could have benefited from that. Many times they had not been self-identified or identified by others to seek that type of help. So we did say we would talk about some of the warning signs of suicide. And just remember, folks, these are just broad terms. The big thing to know is that if you have an inkling that something has changed for the negative and yourself, a friend, somebody in the family, it is important to ask about that and have a discussion about that. There is a myth around suicide that if you ask somebody, are they feeling that way? Have they ever had those thoughts that you're going to make things worse? Research has borne out that that is absolutely not the case. In fact, it's just the opposite. You can help relieve some things. We have talked about in previous episodes that often people are looking for a safe container to be able to talk to someone. And when you're feeling down or you're feeling suicidal, that's not very good feeling to have. And you often don't feel like anybody else wants to hear about it. You don't want to have those thoughts yourself most of the time when those are occurring. So why would anybody else want to hear them? And how can anybody deal with that? It is important to be able to non-judgmentally be able to listen to that and be there as a sounding board for people. But some of the warning signs are somebody actually, what I just said, talking about wanting to die or wanting to kill themselves, talking about feeling empty, hopeless, having no reason to be, starting to give away their things, all of a sudden planning to give away their things. They've had previous suicide attempts. They've had family members who have either had suicide attempts or completed suicide. They've had close friends, acquaintances that have talked about suicide, made suicide attempts, or actually completed suicide. That's why in the schools, you, after a suicide, you have the counselors available to talk to the, 
the students, the friends. And we, t- we talk about this in like post-traumatic stress disorder. How close are you to and know the person who committed suicide? Sort of the closer you are to that person, the higher the risk for you that person may go up. Just feeling unbearable pain, whether that's physical or emotional. Really interesting. I, I am a psychiatrist, so I get to hear, I don't know if that's the word, but I, I, I feel very privileged to be able to hear a lot about people's emotional pain that they're going through. And it is devastating when somebody's very depressed, very anxious, how just immobilizing that is to that person and they feel it is to others around them. And the impact that is, is very heart-wrenching. And to just be there for the person and give them some tools, half the time, the biggest thing, and it is amazing how many times that people will say, I mean, they're coming for help, right? They're feeling horrible, and they're telling you, I feel this way, and I'm so sorry you have to hear this. I'm so sorry that I'm putting this on you. You shouldn't have to deal with it. One, I guess it's my job, but I mean, this is what I put here to do, and I want to do this, but it is just a very difficult thing. And then there's the other thing on the side of the treater or the family member or the peer. How do I keep this person safe? You know, can I keep the person safe? You know, that is a, that's a big one. I know I sort of went off topic there, but we, somebody who has sort of withdrawn, becoming more isolated either from their work network, their social network, say they've changed jobs and they were loving their job, they've been doing very well in school, all of a sudden they're not doing well in school, they've never drank, used any substances in their life, all of a sudden you see them starting to go that way or they're changing peer groups. All those things are potential risk factors. Yeah, and in talking about risk factors, I think it's important to point out that risk factors only show up in about 80% of people who actually attempt suicide. That we can actually find a risk factor. So it's not guaranteed that there will be a risk factor that you can do something about. But with that, if there is a risk factor, anyone who displays a risk factor is 30 times more likely to attempt suicide. If you see any of these things going on, it should be viewed through a very serious lens. I think the other thing on top of that, and part of this gets to the age groups that we talk about. You know, some suicides are very well planned out. Somebody has thought it through, written a note, thought about it for quite a long period of time. They might not share that with any of that with anybody. But then a lot of suicides are very impulsive in nature. And that's why you see leading cause of death being higher up on the scale in the younger folks, because if you look across each age group, the actual number of suicides per age group, there is some difference, but it doesn't increase drastically across age groups. After you get past 14, all of a sudden it jumps way up. It has increased in the 10 to 14-year-olds, but it has actually jumped up a lot, 14 and on. But in that 14 to 35 age group, the one that you sort of recently talked about here earlier, there's a lot of impulsivity that goes along. So somebody who is tends to be more impulsive by nature might be at a higher risk because when something in their mind horrible happens, they don't might not know how to deal with it, or they do not see that there can be any positive outcome. So we'll talk about that more because this just brings up a lot of very interesting sideline topics and also talking about the individual. We'll see you next time on Mental Health Commutes.